Today we have with us Brad and um, I want to thank all our listeners for being here today and my intention through this podcast is to encourage career professionals all over the world to embrace their uh, true talents to embrace their potential and believe in themselves. I'm Fatima Williams a career growth strategist and your host and we have with us someone who is a world renowned time management expert. Okay. Now all of us struggle to manage our time, right? We're wondering where is the time gone? I started this project now, but then it's by the time you look at the time, it's already uh, you know the end of the day. So we have with us Brad and he's from Montreal, Canada. And here's a little bit uh, uh, of interesting information about him. I actually found him on LinkedIn after I watched his TED talk on YouTube. How amazing is that? Right? So I saw Stair Talk on YouTube and I'm like, I need to find this guy. Let me see if he's on LinkedIn. So I went on LinkedIn, I found him and I connected with him on LinkedIn. And today uh, I want to tell you a little bit more about his work. His work focuses on the connection between time management and well-being. It reveals the profound impact that time management has on each and every one of our mental health and our purpose in life. He is a PhD, he's completed his PhD as well. Dr. Eon has published, delivered TED Talks, as I've already told you, on time management. And he has been featured in global media like BBC News, Guardian, and I can keep on, keep on going, but let's listen to him and see what he has to say. So thank you, Brad. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Great. So as I told you, uh, you know, before our conversation, before we hit the record button, that this podcast focuses on intentionality. So intentionality are basically characteristics that help us get to our desired goals uh, and outcomes. So uh, we can't hear, uh, wait to hear about your intentional transformation journey. And I keep telling everyone that, you know, inspiring people are uh, a blessing to the world. And I consider you as someone who inspires people. And that's the reason why I want to pass the baton on. So the baton is basically sharing, uh, you know, what exactly worked for you and how you got to where you are. So could you tell our listeners today, why would uh, you need to pass your baton on? When I say baton on, why do you need to share what you learned? And uh, do you actually do that at the moment in your work? Yes, absolutely. So, you know, they often say that when you do a PhD on something, it's because you're bad at it. Uh, you know, if you do uh, a, a PhD on work-life balance, it's because deep down you're really terrible at it. Uh, I, I think I'm very grateful and lucky in the sense that I did my PhD on a topic that I consider myself quite uh, good at. Uh, you know, I'm certainly not perfect. There's always room for improvement. I'm learning new time management techniques literally every month. Uh, mm -hmm. But certainly, I, I think that it's uh, changed my life for uh, for the best. And uh, the, the reason why I want to relay this message um, is simply because I think there's one thing that unites us all, that's shared by all of humanity and indeed all animals. Uh, it's the undeniable fact that uh, life is finite. Uh, none of us is going to live forever. And, uh, you know, life is finite. It's precious, uh, which really means that we only have a limited amount of time. This to a lot of people is uh, sometimes a source of distress. They panic and they worry. They're like, oh my God, I'm not going to live forever. I think we should see that in a perhaps more positive way. 
uh, and see that as the opportunity to be more, uh, and this is more in line with your podcast, to be more intentional with our time, to be more deliberate. Uh, because the reality is that many of our behaviors are automatic. Yes. Which means that we very often live our lives on autopilot. We don't really uh, reflect on what we do with our time, with our days, with our weeks. Um, and I think that's very normal because we live in an era where we have to make many, many, many decisions every day, every week. You know, what school should I go to? What should I wear today? What should I have for dinner? It's constant decision making. So, of course, at some point, you're going to resort to an autopilot lifestyle just because it's easier and it's less exhausting. It's absolutely understandable. Uh, but at the same time, I think that if you want to expend whatever energy is left, uh, you know, after all the things we have to tend to, I think that energy is best would be best spent on reflecting on how we use our time. Uh, simply because every hour, we may not realize it every day, but every hour, every day, every week of our lives add up to an entire lifetime. And this is not a new concept. It's certainly not my concept. It's something that's been discussed by philosophers since at least Seneca. Seneca was about 2,000 years ago. And his idea was that there's a clear link between how you use your time every day and how it adds up to an entire lifetime. And his conclusion was, well, if you organize your time mindfully and intentionally every day, it's going to add up to an intentional, intentional, mindful and deliberate entire lifetime. Uh, and his, the, the main conclusion of that particular uh, part of the book was, it's not that life is short, mm -hmm. it's that we make it so. And we make it so because we don't live intentionally. And, you know, by the time we hit 60 or 70, we realize, oh, what did I do with my time? What did I do with my life? Um, whereas he said, and I think I'm almost quoting word for word, um, life is ample for people who map it out well. And I think that's uh, very much in line with the idea of intentionality. Yes, yes, that is absolutely true, you know, because a lot of us go on this autopilot mode and then the realization is what needs to happen. You know, the realization doesn't happen and then you are in denial. So a lot of people are in denial. So you just choose to ignore the situation that you're in because uh, like you said, uh, your yesterday's uh, post on LinkedIn was in line with what we we're talking about as well. You know, we tend to do the same thing over and over and over again, even though it doesn't give us the results we want. And then, you know, we point fingers at somebody else when all along the answers have been with us, right? Absolutely. I mean, when people are trying to manage their time, often it is the uh, environment, the people is what the blame is on. What What do you think that is? Like, what do you say about that? Um, I think like with most things, it's uh, easier to blame external factors. And very often it's, it's legitimate. You know, like if you're, say, if you're born poor or if you're born to a poor family and things don't turn out very well for you, then yes, I think that's a legitimate complaint that you didn't have the same odds of success as, say, someone who was born into an upper-class family. Um, but when it comes to time management, I think in very many cases, perhaps most cases, um, there's a little bit of bad faith. And, and, and this is a, a concept that I draw directly from the philosophy of existentialism. Bad faith is the idea that we're denying our own freedom, meaning that 
oh, like you decided to, I don't know, spend your entire day. I'm giving you an extreme example. You decided to spend your entire day yesterday um, spending your time on TikTok or Instagram or Twitter. And then, uh, you know, she realized that you haven't done anything meaningful, not necessarily uh, in terms of productivity at work. It's just like personal uh, uh, personal growth or, or things that, you know, maybe you could have spent that time with your child or your your spouse. Uh, and then you, you know, you might blame it on social media, you might blame it on the environment, you might blame it on the fact that there's not enough time. Um, but at the end of the day, it's uh, choices. And those choices were made by someone. And that person is usually you. Yes. Um, and I think it's a very human instinct to not blame oneself, because when you blame yourself, then, you know, you're not portraying yourself in a positive light. Um, and to give you another example, because this applies not only to time, but also to money. When I was a PhD student, I didn't make a lot of money. And um, at some point, I decided to track my expenses for an entire year. Mm -hmm. And I realized that, and I'm not kidding, close to 10% of my annual income yeah. was spent on uh, pizza slices at the local pizza joint. And it made me feel extremely bad because I was like, what is, what is wrong with you? Why would you spend 10% of your annual income? on something as um, unnecessary as pizza slices. So of course, you know, I my first instinct was to think of other things to blame, but then I quickly realized that no, if I wanted to actually keep track of my expenses, my finances, and be more intentional with my money, yeah. uh, I had to take ownership of those mistakes and change my life accordingly. And, and I think that's important for money, for time, uh, and for a lot of things in life. I love that, Brad. I love how you took the whole thing and, you know, learned a lesson out of it. And oftentimes when we tell people to do that, you know, it becomes a little bit of a blame game. But, you know, when you look at it as for you, it's for you, it's for your own growth and for your own development and for your own life to get better. I think when you look at it in that aspect, it transforms uh, the way you actually think and i think uh, the fundamental foundation here is the way we think right so what would you say uh, since we're talking about time right what would you say are the key principles or maybe um, the foundation that we can set in if we let, let's say we decide okay i'm going to be managing my time from today onwards right so i'm going to i'm not going to waste time now there are a lot of people who set calendars they do schedules they even write down uh, on their diaries what they're going to do but then it goes haywire so what principles do you think is like the foundation for this um i think the foundational principle is not so much the kind of tool that you use because at the end it uh it's only tangential it doesn't matter that much whether you're scheduling, you're time boxing, you're using a to-do list. You're, it, it doesn't really matter that much. What matters is um, something even deeper, which is uh, unsurprisingly intentionality um, in the sense that you can manage your time very efficiently, but it's probably not meaningful if you're managing your time efficiently to achieve goals that are not really relevant to you or if, you're not even, or if you don't even know why you're managing time in the first place. Um, and, and that's why when a lot of people turn to me, especially companies, uh, ask me about, oh, how can I manage my time better? How can I be more efficient? And, and I think the very first step is to ask yourself, why do I want to be more efficient in the first place? Is it to be more efficient for the sake of efficiency? Or is it that 
I have actually spent a lot of time reflecting on my goals, my values, my beliefs, and, and I want to find a more efficient way of achieving them. It's rarely the latter uh, because people don't prioritize intentionality. So I would say the foundational principle of time management is making the time to reflect on that, on the intentionality that's going to underlie all of your time management efforts. And I know this is not easy. This is easier said than done because yeah. what this really means is um, spending time reflecting on what you want out of life. And this is no easy feat uh, by any reasonable definition. Um, I do believe that there's an interaction between how you spend your time and how you find your purpose. Meaning that um, it's not that Yes, it's it's not necessarily that you're gonna you know spend two hours discover your purpose and then spend all of your time doing that. It's usually that you're gonna spend your time reflecting on a few different things that might be appealing to you. Uh, do some trial and error. Try some some things out. See what you know. See what sticks. What what appeals to you. And then uh, you might realize through actual trial and error that oh, actually I like uh, poetry more than yoga, or uh, I like writing books. Or I want to start uh, a business that sells, uh, I don't know, like a, a certain product. Mm -hmm. And when you dis discover that, you reflect again on, okay, this is how I like to spend my time. How can I better organize my days, my weeks, so that I can pursue this particular goal or a set of goals? Perfect. And I think so when you talked about time management, when it comes to the context of a work atmosphere, I actually think it's it's great that people can actually uh, use that as the foundation to actually, you know, get the culture of the company also together. Now, for example, a lot of companies, they prioritize money over culture, right? Mm -hmm. And time actually plays a big factor here, right? Yeah. 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 Well, not only that, uh, and so if, if I may, uh, it's obviously intentionality is a very, very foundational core of time management, but I would say, and this is a personal preference, mm -hmm. that Personal well-being and flourishing is equally important uh, because in the, the way we talk about time management, we often talk about efficiency, productivity, getting things done, reaching your goals. And, and that's good. That's fine. Um, but at the same time, we shouldn't lose sight of the, the reality that we're not machines. Uh, we can't be pursuing our goals at the expense of everything else. You know, uh, usually we're you know, social animals. We need time with friends, with loved ones. We need time for ourselves, for hobbies that usually have nothing to do with your passion. Um, and that's something we tend to forget. We let one thing, one passion, gobble up everything else. And I think that's dangerous because now there's a lot of research on the distinction between um, harmonious passion. So you you pursue your passion in harmony with everything else, with your family, with your friends, with your hobbies, um, as opposed to uh, obsessive passion, where you spend your entire days and evenings and weekends focused on one little thing. And th this might be good if you're very obsessed, but very often it comes with consequences, especially in terms of social relationships and personal health and, and all kinds of things that later in life you might regret. So I think it's very important to prioritize well-being and flourishing as well. I absolutely love this. And I'm hearing this obsessive passion for the first time, actually. I, I know that harmonious passion is there. Yes, of course, you know, when we are trying to achieve a goal, uh, we try to think, oh, no, you know, let me just shut myself off and 
I need to focus. I need to focus. And then what happens is you eventually get burnt out because even though you are truly passionate about doing it, and I, I can take myself as an example here because on this journey that I am for the last two years, there have been certain moments uh, where I've just uh, tried to isolate myself thinking that it is the people around me that was distracting me or not allowing me to uh, focus on the time that I have. And I eventually realized that it's not working because I needed all the eight areas of my life, you know, my health, my money, my family, everybody to be there. Because when I didn't focus on one of it, automatically I could see that reflecting in the way I behave, in the way I was interacting with my clients. And and that was, and then it, it got me thinking, okay, I, I know I love to do this, but I need to, to balance it. You know, I need to see where I need to be in case if I feel that I'm not getting the results, which areas maybe I'm spending more time, you know, maybe I'm uh, sitting and watching Netflix a little bit more than I should have, or maybe I'm uh, taking a 30 minutes or 15 minutes extra with a client when I shouldn't. So where are the areas that my time is going? Because I'm eventually blaming it on factors that don't really contribute to it. So I absolutely love that. Thank you so much for, for telling me that and telling our listeners that. So can you tell us what helped you kickstart this journey? I mean, very interesting line of work you have, you know. Uh, so what helped you kickstart? Like what got you thinking? You know what? I'm going to be a time management expert. Um, so it started a, a fairly early in my in my life uh, because I. As a as a young teenager, I always perceived that I, I was not particularly uh, brilliant or, or smart. In fact, I perceived myself to be uh, below average in terms of uh, you know intelligence, smarts, and so on. Mm-hmm. And and I wanted to uh, find a way to at least be as good as my peers, uh, especially my top performing peers, because you know it was I guess a self esteem issue. And so I saw being organized and managing my time as a compensate yeah to compensate for what i perceived was uh, i guess lower intelligence and um little by little i started reading books like at, at the time i think the you know it was the popular books like uh, getting things done by david allen and, and those uh, you know bestsellers in and uh, time management and self improvement um and what was at, that point, sorry? What, at what age was this um it was fairly young i think i was 16 uh, or 15 and um, and yeah, and so at, at some point it, it worked for me pretty well. And I think it's also because, you know, there's five big personality traits, you know, agreeableness, conscientiousness, neuroticism, and so on. Uh, I I think I'm very high on uh, conscientiousness, meaning that I'm very, I pay attention to detail. And so uh, time management was very much um, adapted to my personality. And so I, I really liked it from, from a very, uh, I guess, intimate perspective. Mm-hmm. And Little by little, when I started doing my master's, I, I realized, okay, um, maybe I need to do research on this. And at first, I was not particularly enthused about it, simply because I assumed that because there are so many time management books and programs and seminars out there, uh, the scientific research on time management must be saturated. Uh, but I was wrong. I remember downloading the first literature review and the conclusion of the literature review was simply that there's not enough research on time management surprisingly there's mm-hmm. very very little research on this topic and i thought wow this is a huge opportunity opportunity for me simply because 
this is a topic on which there's not enough research. And it's also a topic that's personally very important to me. And it enabled me to thrive because I get to do research. I get to invent or create new concepts related to time management um, and, and, you know, like help advance the, the field forward one paper at a time. Uh, so it was very, very rewarding. And as I progressed in my PhD, I uh, realized that it's it's not, first of all, it's not just about productivity. It's not about getting things done. Then I realized that by taking a much, much more comprehensive approach to that to that study. I was not just studying it from a psychological perspective or from a business perspective. I really wanted to look at its history, uh, the anthropology of it, the sociology of it. Um, the economics of time management. And the more you look at it from these different angles, mm -hmm. the better your appreciation of how time management is fundamental to human life in general, to human individuals, to societies, to groups. Uh, it was very, very significant historically. It's significant to different groups, like men and women, for different reasons. And so there are so many ways you can explore time management. And I just find that so um, fascinating. I I find it so exciting. I'm thinking to myself in my head, you know, I'm just screaming like, wow, how amazing it is. Because like when you decided to pick your major or to go into this topic, you were actually going micro. So I always tell my candidates, clients, I coach, you know, go micro on your niche. Everyone's like, I'm this, I'm that. Okay, yes, you are that. But what is it that makes you stand out? What is that specific skill or what is that specific area you want to focus in? If you say you're in... Uh, you know, digital marketing, I mean, which area of digital marketing do you specialize in? So go micro. And I love how you did this when you were studying, you know, that really uh, shows uh, how well your foundations have been set as well in terms of, you know, picking the right career choices. Did you have enough of support when it came to that? Um, what do you mean, like in, in terms of support from supervisors and peers? From your parents, family, uh, college, supervisors? Um, to, pick, to pick your, you know, your niche uh, and your career skills. My partner at the time was very uh, dubious in the sense that she thought it was just a, a phase and I would switch to another topic. Uh, some other people thought that, you know, it's just a, a little obsession of mine, of mine and, um, you know, it, it, it wouldn't last. Um, other people doubted or other people were a bit more critical because of the fact that I uh, walked the talk. So uh, when I was doing my PhD, I didn't work that much in terms of work hours. Mm -hmm. And to some people, it was very much a signal of lack of discipline or, be, or being lazy, but I, I was very much extremely efficient with my time. And, uh, you know, when I started publishing my first papers as a PhD student, uh, you know, people started to realize, okay, maybe there's more <laughs> to that than, than mm -hmm. just being lazy. So um, I, I, I think sometimes sticking to a topic or sticking to something that you believe in despite uh you know a, a significant amount of criticism is yeah. very important especially if you believe in it because sometimes not every time but sometimes um it might lead to something extraordinary uh and i think right now i i do have something extraordinary in my life absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. i mean it's it's amazing because uh, when you know in deep down, I think you must have known this as well. You know, we all have that intuition or that. Uh, but, you know, I, I still want to go back here and ask you because uh, every time there are two voices. 
one we just talked about the external voice what about the the voice inside you know the voice that was always telling you that you had to uh, level up and up your game or whatever how did you manage that inner voice of yours when you were going on this journey? Because, of course, in the beginning, I'm pretty sure you didn't get extraordinary results out of the income and, and everything, right? So how did you manage your inner voice, that little voice in your head? I did have a voice in my head. Uh, and I mean, a lot of us do that essentially says, this is not going to work out. Or, uh, you know, this is, a, this is a terrible decision. Or... Um, you know, whatever success you may see is temporary, all those things. I, through mindfulness, through cognitive behavioral ther uh, therapy, mm -hmm. I learned how to tune it out, but also how to um, reason with it. Because I think it comes from a place of anxiety, comes from a place of fear, but not from a place of reason. So I think some fears are justified. Uh, many of them are not. And I think it's important to uh, distinguish between the two. Yes, and by reasoning, I mean trying to have a conversation out loud, out loud, or you know, a written conversation with yourself, and try to examine, okay, why, why do you believe that? Why do you think this is not a good idea? Um, do you have any, do you have any evidence to evidence. Uh, to support that claim? Yeah. Yeah. And very often you realize that uh, it's just baseless, unfounded fears. Mm -hmm. And based on that, what I try to do is always go for the small wins. And what I, mean, what I mean by that is imagine you're trying to be healthier and lose weight. Yeah. The biggest motivator to lose weight is not necessarily to hype yourself up and be like, okay, you can do it. You're great at it. You're, it's the first objective indicator of success, such as losing your first pound. That has a much stronger motivational effect on your future success than just you know trying to motivate yourself out of thin air. Uh, and to me, it was the same in most aspects of my career. Um, like for instance, got a lot of feedback, a lot of negative feedback on my research, uh, but ultimately published in a top uh, scientific outlet. So that to me was proof that, yes, I can do it. Um, a lot of people told me, well, it's, it's mostly research. I'm not sure if you can translate that into practical advice for companies. Mm -hmm. I got my first corporate client, and my second, and my 30th. Um, and that, to me, again, is something that I need to focus on because using a reasonable approach or a reasoned approach, I keep telling myself, if you're scared about this or that, think about um, what happened so far. What happened so far is that I excelled in my research. I excelled in my corporate training. Uh, so there's no reason to be pessimistic. You have no reasonable reason to be pessimistic. I love that. I love that. You know, I absolutely love that. Thank you so much. You know, reason uh, with with the voice in your head and, you know, establish it with facts and and celebrate the wins, you know, celebrate the wins. Because when you go back and look at what you've done, you know, you're heading in the right direction and you can monitor your results as well and see what's working. You know, when we do that, we can even... Um, 10x that performance if, if it was working we could see okay how i can make it even more better i i love that thank you so much brad for sharing that tell us what are your top five values um i'm not sure if this is a value but i i, I do have a um, profound belief in evidence and reason mm -hmm. uh over emotion i know not everyone is like that this is a personal preference okay. i it, this does not mean that i'm emotionless uh, this just means that for any topic, for any decision to be made, I will favor 
hard data over instinct. Uh, mm -hmm. And this has worked out very well for me because okay. the way I manage my time, for instance, is based on experimental findings from scientific research rather than something I would read in a book that was written by someone who tells you about their experience. It might be insightful, but I much prefer to base my decisions on what I know from the scientific research. Um, the other thing that I believe in is always give people the benefit of the doubt. So mm -hmm. some people might do or say something that uh, might be, you know, unusual, offensive, weird, um, and you don't know if they did that because out of malicious intent, mm -hmm. or if it's just the way they are. Sometimes it's a cultural difference. Sometimes it's raised. Yes, person is having a bad day, um, or the person didn't mean it that way. So okay. I I think it's important to approach our interactions uh, in good faith and give people the benefit of the doubt whenever you interact with them. Um, I would say the, the third thing is I, I do believe that we're more similar than that we're dissimilar. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, we talk about cultural differences, we talk about national differences, about differences in political affiliation, differences in religious beliefs. Um, and, and these are real, but I, I do think that we have a much, we have much more shared humanity Yes. Than differences. Yes. Uh, because deep down, we are all part of the same species and we all want more or less the same thing, maybe in different ways, but we do want the same thing. And that I'm convinced that we want happiness, we want social belonging, we want um, to live meaningful, rewarding lives. And I think that's true for 99% of people out there. Love that. Love that. Um, fourth, I, I would say that I certainly value uh, social relationships. To the extent that I will turn and I have turned down job offers that were much more rewarding financially mm -hmm. by a huge margin just because they were uh, five hours away uh, by plane. And to me, that, that was non-negotiable simply because most of my friends and in particular my uh, partner is here in Montreal and no amount of money, I mean, <laughs> within reason, would... Um, make me relocate or at least have to spend significant amount of time away from them okay. to me that is very 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 important and that's i always tell my uh my girlfriend she's my favorite time use category because i always think of you know time use research and then time use research you have different categories like commuting work bathing um eating and so on and i always tell her that my favorite time use category is spending time with you love it uh, <laughs> so that's that's extremely important to me uh, and and finally, I my I would say my fifth value is always um, self development, uh, the belief that you can improve not only yourself but your life in general. Certainly, mm -hmm. we're not all equipped, or we don't have we don't all have the luck and the privilege to do that to the same extent. But I think we all have some opportunity to get better and to live a better life. Absolutely, keep learning, keep learning. The couples. Thinking that your cup is half full always allows you to take in uh, and learn. You know, when you when you, even if you think that you know something, there's always room for more. So self development is the key, and you know that was actually one of the questions, but you answered it along with your values. So that is absolutely great. Can you tell us a little bit about your work? What do you train, and you know how how this training transforms your clients? Can you give us like a short story about one particular client without mentioning any names? Uh, sure. I work mo mostly with um, 
uh, companies in the US, um, sometimes in Canada and, and in Western Europe. And usually what I try to do is take a very, very um, hyper-personalized approach where I uh, collect a lot of data from my clients, from their employees, from their different teams, different departments, trying to understand what are their current time management and productivity challenges, but also uh, different indicators of well-being, such as stress and burnout, uh, work-life balance issues, and trying to understand what are the unique challenges that they're facing and use all of the research that I've become familiar with over the past 12 years and see how we can turn that into practical strategies, practical tools, practical policies that the organizations can implement to, um, well, first of all, of course, for them, the, the number one uh, priority is productivity, but also emphasize a lot uh, how they can make their employees feel better. So increase well-being, well-being. happiness, reduce stress, reduce burnout, uh, because I do think that the two are not mutually exclusive. In fact, if you want a productive workforce sustainably in the long term, you need to focus on work-life balance. You need to focus on well-being. You need to focus on stress because you can be productive in the long term if you have those uh, issues. You told us a little bit about time categories. So does that fall? Un do you do that as well with, with companies and their staff when you are trying to understand more about how you can help them with their time? Um, not really. I mean, th this was an approach that was very popular in the 1970s, uh, you know, how you allocate your time to different things. Today, I I don't use that approach simply because I, I don't think that the time, the amount of time that you spend on something is necessarily indicative of your performance on that particular task. For instance, you can spend an entire day on emails uh, but only five minutes on brainstorming strategy, for instance. I do think that those five minutes that you spend on brainstorming strategy are extremely important. And you can do that in 15 minutes. You can do that in half, half an hour. It's not because you spend more time on a task that it's less, sorry, it's not because you spend less time on a task that it's less consequential. Mm -hmm. So that's why I think that it's not necessarily the time you spend, it's how consequential the task is. How important? Yes. Or how, how much of how much results you're going to get out of it? Like, absolutely. I can think of an example here myself. Uh, you know, uh, when I used to work in the recruitment industry, uh, I could sit on a whole day and do screenings and interviews and, and stuff like that. But if let's say if there was something that I really wanted to close a position today, mm -hmm. it would have been different that day when I set the intention. You know what? I'm going to close this position today. I'm going to get this bill coming in by the end of the week and last week I would have been working on that same position and magically in one hour that position will get closed so you know what do you think about that so does this come in your uh, categorization or when you are teaching people and understanding how they perform better I think because that also comes into your training right uh, yes absolutely and I tell them about the the few studies that I know that essentially, and this is very counterintuitive because we're talking about time management. I tell them the key to time management is not to focus on time, but to focus on outcomes. Um, meaning that it's not because you spend more time on a task that is going to necessarily lead to better performance, 
And it's not because there's a deadline that you need to do that particular task. It's not, it, it being urgent is not necessarily important. Uh, and we, you know, we have different cognitive biases where, you know, we think, oh my God, this is urgent. I need to do it first. No, I always tell them, forget about time. Don't, don't worry about the deadlines. Don't worry. Just ask yourself this one question. Which tasks will, be, will bring me closer to my most important goals? And that's it. Doesn't matter how much time you spend on it. Sometimes spending just one hour on one task can have the impact of, you know, someone else spending 20 hours on different tasks. So it's very important to um, think about out outcomes rather than, than time per se. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much uh, for sharing that, Brad. And like I like I asked you, uh, do you think your training um, is is there evidence that when you actually manage your time, that uh, your productivity increases? Yes. Uh, so my colleagues and I did this huge time management study a few years ago on about fifty three thousand people, and and um, essentially what we found is that on average. With time management training, you can expect a 26% increase in productivity, uh, wow. which is quite substantial. The thing yeah. that we found even more interesting is that time management has a much stronger impact on well-being and mental health. Uh, for mental health, I think it was up to 56%. And, wow. and this is something that people don't necessarily uh, think about when they think about time management, because again, they think about productivity, efficiency. They don't think about the well-being, purpose, mental health aspect of it. But it, it makes a lot of sense because if your day-to-day -day life is very chaotic, is very disorganized, of course it's going to have an impact on your mental health. Of course it's going to be more conducive to depression, to anxiety. On the other hand, if your day-to-day -day life is very structured, very intentional, you know that you know in the morning you're doing this, in the afternoon you're doing that, and each hour is linked to a particular goal that you value, you create a much more intentional life, and that's how you boost your sense of purpose in life, your well-being, you reduce stress, and of course, your mental health is much better. And you become successful as well in the process. Success Absolutely. is a result of all of this. You know, if you see all of the people consider themselves successful or financially stable or well in their lives, if you see all of them manage their time well, yeah. they know what they're doing this week. They know what they're doing three months from now. They know, they know what they're doing three years from now. So it's very, very important to structure uh, what we want to do because when we do that, we're setting the intention as well. And intention is what we've been talking about all along, right? How intention plays such a big part in transformation. And if we want to have the intentional results you know, I want to do this. I want to achieve this goal. I want to get hired to this particular job. We need to have, you know, a schedule or a, a management uh, of our time as to how we are doing these things. So uh, I absolutely love that. Once again, thank you so much. Uh, what, how would someone uh, who is, let's say, a fresher or just a college gradu graduate uh, get into studying time or walking in the similar career path as you? Someone who would want to do research on time and time management, I, I would uh, certainly recommend um, starting with literature reviews. So literature reviews are essentially papers that will tell you, will give you an overview of all the research that's been done, the debates, the controversies, uh, and most importantly, where there's still the areas where we still need more research. And I think that's a great starting point because you get to quickly understand what we know, 
-hmm. what we don't know and what should be done. And I think this is a great uh, starting point for anyone who wants to do a career or wants to have a career in time for time management research. In a similar field as well. So you start off like that and you, I think you already answered this question on learning, but do you think it's important to be coached by a mentor or a coach, have someone like that to, while you're on this journey, did you have someone like that in your career journey? No, but I do think it's important for a lot of people because you need a sounding, at least a sounding board for uh, when you're reflecting on your purpose in life, your, uh, how you want to make your life more intentional. Having someone who's trained to do that, to listen to you and to give you feedback is very, very important uh, because I, I think that trying to figure out, I mean, you can, but trying to figure out your sense of intentionality alone can be challenging. If you want to be more efficient at it, might as well do it with someone who's uh, qualified and has the credentials to help you to do, do that more efficiently. Thank you. Thank you, Brad, for answering that question. And, uh, you know, finally, before we actually go, I want to ask you, uh, you know, I often talk about our thoughts, our behaviors and actions, you know, um, they are all interlinked. So can we bring in time here as well? How would you, how how can we uh, bring this four together? As, as a time management expert, what would you say? So I assume you're, talking about a model where yeah thought so there's a thought there's a behavior and action meaning that it's a, a habit yeah essentially um well time is very important here simply because i assume that the end goal is to make the the habit automatic in the sense that you don't have to think about it it becomes habitual behavior and because it becomes it, and because it becomes habitual behavior you um don't need any motivation to do it in the sense that if you go to the gym every day and it's a habit, you don't have to muster the motivation every day to go. You just do it out of habit. Uh, if that's the question, then uh, yes, timing is very important because making a habit stick will be a lot easier if you do it at the same time every day, such yeah. as going to the gym, such as, uh, you know, like have fairly routine structure it doesn't mean that i do the same things every day it's just that i do the same kinds of things every day the morning is very important to me because this is my optimal productivity time after that i go to the gym after that i read a book and after that i do my last work for the day uh, and that makes me a lot less reliant on motivation i just do it because it's time to do it mm. that's it i don't really need to think about it it has to be done. No, you already set the intention. You've scheduled it. And so you just go ahead and do it. Yeah. Right. Yes. But our thoughts and our behaviors, they are how we think and how we act gives us the results that we want. And if we can include time into this, I think it'll be perfect. It'll be a perfect formula for success. Absolutely. <laughs> so you said you read books. What are the best books you've read? Like one? of the best books you've read? Um, this year, I would say um, Enlightenment Now by Steven Pinker is really good because, uh, again, my proclivity for data and evidence, uh, you know, it's, it's a book that's very much based on a lot of data, a lot of evidence, and essentially making the argument that, yes, there's climate change, yes, there's wars all over the world, um, 
but overall our lives are much better today compared to a couple decades ago compared to five decades ago and certainly compared to a century or multiple centuries ago in terms of health in terms of uh, nutrition in terms of access to technology access to healthcare uh, there's so many ways in which our lives are better safer healthier wealthier um and and i think that's um a very evidence-based case for optimism rather than negativity and pessimism and and i really like it i am going to i'm going to definitely read that book thank you for the recommendation so your training is it like online uh, how can the our listeners today if they want to uh, enroll in a training program or if they want to learn time management from you how do they get in touch with you do you have a book that you've published uh, i i actually didn't ask you about that i'm i'm working on a book uh, but i certainly have a website uh, i'm also uh, you can easily find me on social media linkedin instagram facebook twitter uh and then it's very you know my emails and my website bradeon.com uh, you can easily contact me and uh, yeah I'd, i'd be more than glad to help to help out anyone who wants to get better at time management thank you thank you so much brad because time management is something that they don't teach us when we are in school or i don't think they teach it teach us in college as well do you think colleges teach time management as a specific subject <laughs> no they do have sometimes workshops that are poorly attended poorly funded and certainly not the most effective uh but i certainly think that schools colleges and universities should definitely have core courses that teach you time, effective time management yeah imagine you know if we can start managing our time when we are young it will be we could it could have saved us a lot of trouble uh in, down the line so thank you once again for you know for your time you i absolutely enjoyed this conversation on how uh, you know we can get an intentional uh, transformation in our career using time uh, as a fundamental uh, or a foundation to to creating that change we want and uh, is there anything else that you'd like to say before we end like something that you want to tell our audience no just uh, uh try to be as intentional and deliberate with your time as you can because it might seem exhausting it might seem like it requires effort and energy um uh, but ev- i think everything worth it everything valuable in this life does take a certain amount of effort and energy but this one will pay off tremendously the results will come keep going absolutely thank you thank you so much brad that was absolutely awesome it's a perfect way to wrap up this conversation thank you brad for joining me today on the dream career freedom podcast i absolutely enjoyed this conversation for our listeners i'm going to be sharing you links on how you can connect with brad in fact if you just type brad a on a e o n time management on google you're going to be finding his ted talk I would recommend you to please please go and listen to it. it's one of the best that talks on time management and if you're interested to read uh, more about what he does you can come on linkedin he's very active on linkedin uh, and so other social media platforms and we have all of this information in the podcast show notes and in the blog post on my website fatimawilliams.me/intentionaltypodcast So once again remember if you want to create a transformation in your life you need to manage your time because your time gives you time to do the things you want and i want to ask you a question today before you go 
what is that one small step that you can take to manage your time today to get the results you want? Thank you for listening.